Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 322 on Tuesday, the 14th of April, 2020. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week we'll be sadly saying goodbye to someone for whom all the superlatives do not seem enough. We get to the bottom of a key question from Sudan, and we gaze on with wonder at some cutaways. But first, the sad news that Sir Sterling Moss has unfortunately passed away peacefully this weekend. And the wonderful nature of the internet, it was lovely to see so many fantastic stories and thoughts that went to his wife and the family over... Well, like I said in the intro, the superlatives are not enough. There's not enough superlatives to do this man justice. What I think we've all found, if those of us who weren't lucky enough to meet him, is that a truly fabulous, wonderful man who has lived an amazing life and done amazing things has affected... He's crossed borders away from just the motoring world into touching people who have no interest in cars and motor racing and things like that across, obviously, the UK, but the world as well. And it was it was wonderful and emotionally draining to see exactly how much people feel for for what he's done and for him as a person and it was it's just great i mean we've picked in the, in the show notes there's a couple of links uh, one is uh, steve cropley's obituary and another one which is one of the the things that always sticks for me is the epic millimiglia victory but that's just two articles out of loads of fantastic articles explaining what a wonderful man Sir Sterling Moss was. Yep. And thoughts with Lady Moss as well and the rest of his family. Yep, absolutely. Other news, <laughs> moving on. I had my breakfast ruined this morning by a an article in cardealermagazine.co.uk, which is a link in the show notes, where it, it said that there is calls for a UK car scrappage scheme to boost demand when lockdown lifted. <laughs> he says, reading the title. <laughs> And it, it kind of it kind of got on my nerves before I'd even finished my first. Did it coffee curdle your yogurt? Did it? <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. It didn't even bristle my bran flakes. Uh, but the <laughs> it was just the most ridiculous thing. Uh, so there is this this article here, and I dislike it intensely. I I can't. I actually am having. Tr- I've been thinking about this all day long, and I'm actually having trouble putting into words just kind of how I I feel about this. Why 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 do you dislike it? The, well, the only people who are calling for this are the National Franchise Dealer Association. Okay, and who are they? They new car sellers. They're new car salespeople. Right. Okay. And they they're say and they're calling for it, and it just seems the most. <sighs> Well, A, I don't think it's the right time to be calling for things like this. Agreed. <laughs> Just generally, I understand, you know, there are garages are closed at the moment. But the fact that they're calling for a scrappage scheme because they had a scrappage scheme in 2009 just seems wonderfully short-sighted not just because what we're going through what we're all going through right at the minute is very very different to then okay there no 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 we can compare the two we can compare this unprecedented event to anything as we as well we know yes because in 2009 i couldn't really leave my house no of course you couldn't no and the reason i hadn't signed up to buy a new car in 2009 wasn't because there had been no way shape or form for me to be able to see let alone sit in 
the car that I'd be interested in. <laughs> so these analogies with 2009 for this, A, that's irritating because it's just stupid. And B, the fact is, who's going to pay for this? And why are you arrogant enough to suggest that you immediately need a scrappage scheme rather than some other kind of some other kind of support? And the last bit is that when you read the quotations from people who have been interviewed and asked for their feedback, they're basically saying, now is not the time, and this is definitely not going to be the most important thing that anybody needs to deal with once this is over. Yes, I, th- I think there is a lot of issues to be unpicked and a lot of problems to be dealt with before we get to a, oh, hang on, would a scrappage scheme help anyone? But I, I think that the only people that it helps in a scrappage scheme, that scrappage scheme helps, are people who sell new cars. Yeah. Because what it immediately does is it takes out a whole load of affordable car stock. Mm. And the only people who are going to be trading in cars to buy new cars are going to be people who already have probably not desperately old cars. Yeah. And not people who either can't afford a car or who it doesn't help people who wouldn't be affording a new car anyway if you know what i mean hmm. well i, you know, I put think... it on the never 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 drip and and it's 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 obviously there's something unsustainable here be it car manufacturer just volumes factory capacity is yep. too high i certainly think it is well it is everybody knows it is there's there's no that that is no secret and i think that by doing anything like this and deciding to just do it off the bat which is i think what bugs me most really is that there's a whole load of other problems and not all of them are caused by a global pandemic that we're going through many of them are caused by years and years and years of mismanagement and quite frankly, I don't want any of my government, any any more of my, my tax money, which, and trust me, we're going to get hit with taxes to pay for everything oh, yeah. um, over are. the next few years. And I don't want it to go to perpetuate a problem that actually isn't caused by any of this. Absolutely. I, I think that the longer this goes on, and I'm I'm particularly talking about lockdowns of any form for any parts mm-hmm. of society... So that means until there is a vaccine, really, uh, there will be some form of lockdown, I imagine, because otherwise it is the balance, as we were talking before we went on air, between the economy and people's health. And at some point, it, it flicks over a line, whatever that is that the government and experts come to the conclusion is acceptable. And it will go to right portions of the of societies allowed back out again because you know we've got to continue to live at at some point in some something remotely connected to what was normality. What was because th- that won't be the same for a long time. That won't be. We won't have that normal for a while. <laughs> and and I think looking at how many people have tried to take advantage of the efforts the government has made to help people financially, companies, individuals, freelancers, all the rest of it, whether they've got that right or wrong doesn't I'm not here to that's not I'm not doing that. But I'm just saying look at the look at the amount of money they have promised for that. And I think it goes to show how much of this country was actually living very close to a financial pain. Mm-hmm. And the longer we sit in our houses looking at our four, five hundred pound a month cars that we can drive twenty miles a month maximum, 
because we're allowed to go to the shop and back again, the more I think it'll hit people going, I'm paying a lot of money to not use that and or do I need something that expensive? Which yeah. does not bode well for the whole industry, but I think that will spread across all of items we buy. Well, it's that. That's, I think one of the other parallels was I was thinking, so that's great. So there's going to be a scrappage scheme for, if there's going to be a scrappage scheme for cars, then is there a scrappage scheme for my sofa? But what are we doing with, with people who are selling soft furnishings? Because they're in a similar kind of situation. Yeah. Absolutely. Or, or my television. Do I get a, a television scrappage scheme? I know. Or any of these things. So the the trouble is that it's a tip of a, an iceberg, and, and at the minute it, it's covering everything yeah. that people are buying. The only people who aren't really suffering are some of the food manufacturers. Yeah. Not even all of them, because many of them sell into trade and in bulk to restaurants and stuff, and that's scuppered too. Anyway, we're going well off cars here, I'm afraid. Yeah, but, but, but no, I no, but I don't say, think we are, I, just though. To... I don't think we are, well, because, really, because but... the, the point of this, and I think part of your displeasure with this article is, <laughs> rant. Uh, yeah. is that it's, it's going to cover everything that we, we purchase the effects mm -hmm. of everything we purchase in this country is going to be felt across and that is is going to be quite a tight circle that is going to impact everybody and it means we won't have the money to spend and then we have to pay taxes back because we've got to pay this money back somehow because the government doesn't have a bottomless check you know there isn't a golden goose just laying an egg somewhere that they can keep getting hold of so obviously this has to be paid back in some form and the thing is, this is going to be a this is a global issue. This isn't just mm -hmm. oh, Lancashire have a bit of a problem. You know, this is this is the whole global economy is going to be uh, is going to be hit by this. Is being hit by this. So there's going to have to be a hell of a claim to say that automotive is much more special than say someone else. Mm -hmm. And we're yeah, when I mean, we're no, nowhere near that just... stage to make that claim anyway. Exactly, and I think that that's the that's the key point there. Yeah. Right. Shall we move on from that? Yeah. Shall we, shall we move from uh, from you being cross to uh, me was being cross? Oh yeah, we're, we're fairly late in touch papers tonight, aren't we? It's all right. It's, uh, it settles in a minute. It's, it settles. Yes, it does. I was cross when I f read the first article I found about this, but then, thankfully, you found the Register's version of a witch magazine reporting that there was serious security issues in Ford and VWs. And please do go read the Register uh, version of this, because they knock a few holes in witch magazines reporting on this. I'm not a massive fan of Witch, personally. I've seen a, a few things that I've not been impressed with how they've reported back on stuff. You know, when we had the conversation about the safety organisation and the way that they seem to sort of yes. chase headlines. Yes, Thatcham. Yeah. No, it wasn't Thatcham. It was, wasn't it Thatcham? Um, yes, them anyway. Yeah, uh, it, was a, it was two or three episodes ago. Well, the, the, which... Mm have been acting in a very similar situation, particularly when it comes to security, IT security issues. Well, which magazine does have that sort of Jeremy Vine demographic? Yes. Essentially, what happened is which and a security company did some testing on some Fords and VWs and found that if you access the CAN, uh, <laughs> the CAN network, which... Yeah. pretty much everybody knew who was involved in security of cars, then there is the potential to get into elements of a car. Um, the potential to. Potential, that's what I said, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm just emphasising that. But 
one of the really special points was the lifting the, and I'm quoting here, simply lifting the VW badge on the front of the car gave access to the front radar module, which could potentially allow a hacker to tamper with the collision warning system. And how the register explained that was, that is, someone maliciously could pull the radar sensor out. <laughs> so it's yes. not quite as dramatic as people are saying. And it's fantastic what the uh, what the register did is because they spoke to Ian Tabor, who is a specialist in car security. He runs the Car Hacking Villages, uh, Car Hacking Village UK, but he goes around a lot of these security conferences and does demonstrations and has actually been in front of uh, car manufacturers and showed them where there are holes in their systems and stuff. So he knows his mm. onions, and they have gone to speak to him. He, he's got a pretend car as well. Yeah, he, he does have a pretend car in a case, and I. I've seen yes. it working, and it's awesome. Is it? <laughs> it is awesome. <laughs> I've only seen I've only seen pictures of it. He's posted, yeah, yeah. No, it is great. So please do go read through this and find out that it isn't quite as bad. And but there is actually what Ian has done is he's given them six points how connected car security can be improved, and these are brilliant. These are these are great. This is the car note towards the end. Yeah. And the great thing is none of them involve plugging into your car, really. No, only the uh, only the last one, potentially. Aye. Everyone who listens to me or follows me on Twitter knows I'm not a fan of a connected car. There are obviously ways that these things can be exploited, but the way which came across with it, it is not as bad as they are saying because other companies have... All things have these sort of issues, and you have to physically tamper with the vehicle to get hold of these. Did you know that if you remove the control panel on the front of my washing machine, you could potentially tamper with the washing machine? My God, quick! Tell which you can get a I you know. can get a five thousand word article. Maybe get paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, right. Come on, tell us some. Tell us some uh, interesting coronavirus news moving on from my shoutiness earlier on then ferrari is launching its back on track initiative it's actually launching it today believe it or not and what it's doing is it's starting a project basically to to work up to to getting everyone back to work again at ferrari uh, they announced today that they wouldn't be starting a manufacture before I've lost the date now, until the 3rd of May at the earliest, uh, in accordance with the Italian government's announcement today, which is Tuesday. But what they're doing is they're, they're looking at how to get everyone back to work, really. And it's it's a combination of stuff, which is quite interesting. So first of all, they're going to be offering voluntary screening. And not just of themselves, but also their suppliers and the families of all their employees as well mm -hmm. to make sure that it's it's taking a, a sort of wide enough bite of the relevant population. And then after that, it's also going to be offering the use of an app uh, which will monitor for which they can use for symptoms. It is. It is no, I know it is. is. It's He's offered the use of an app. I know, I know, I know. I know that's what they're going to do. I was shaking my head at the idea. Oh, yes, right. Yes, but anyway, 
Uh, it will also allow contact tracing. I'm not looking at Andrew for a second or two. Uh, it will also provide health and psychological assistance too, which is a very good thing. Definitely to be applauded. The hearts and minds are important in all of this, as well as free insurance cover, accommodation for self-isolation, medical nursing, etc. support. This is a fantastic thing. Uh, the company is working with the USL Modena I'm sorry, my Italian's not good enough to be able to work out what the acronym is. The president of the uh, Dr. Nicola Bedin, who's president of the LifeNet Healthcare, and Professor Roberto Burioni of the University Vita Salute San Raffaele in Milan, um, and a pool of Ferrari uh, company doctors. So it's. I think I think this is going to be a very interesting and useful project, not just for Ferrari, not just for the automotive industry, but I think much, much wider than that. Other parts of, of manufacturing, because that part of northern Italy, lots of manufacturing. Yes, it's going to be interesting because with this being such a new thing and there not being a vaccine for it and stuff like that, it's going to be very interesting to see the different tactics different companies take to try and get their workforce back to work and you know obviously the the driving force behind this is ferrari want to be building vehicles again so they can sell them Mm. obviously but they seem to be from from the list of things they're going to to offer everybody and try and help them through it does look like they are trying to to do this in a sort of family way that's what's coming across to me in all this is it's you know it it would be one thing to do just that first paragraph which was the the screening testing having the app and then calling it quits there but to to look at health and psychological assistance to everybody as well that takes it up an extra stage as well as the insurance free insurance cover and accommodation is they are looking at it more holistically and and looking mm-hmm. at a bigger package than just oh let's let's get people in here working or perhaps standing in a tent building a car and pretending it's not a big deal for example that sort of attitude mm. i applaud ferrari for doing this this looks like this is an attempt at let's do best let's try for best practice yeah, from the start absolutely yeah I, I think it's i think it's brilliant uh, i i really do think it's good i hope it is the right answer yeah i think it's great that they're that they're thinking about it and i think there'll be an awful lot of people kind of watching and trying to work out how it goes yep they're also, by the way, intending on, on sharing, obviously, all that they find out as they go along. I think that's possibly one of the biggest things to come out of all this is all of us are in this. So the the sooner people find better ways to manage things and pass that on to others, the better, because that means we are a step closer to coming out the other side. Yep, completely agree. And it, you know, now is not a time for rivalries or competition in this sort of thing. <laughs> No, so it's, not it's, at all. It's good not to at see. All. Remember that. Remember that Italy's been shut essentially since the middle of March yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. So much, much longer than we have. I know that my Italian colleagues are going a little bit stir crazy with the insides of the houses. Yep, can imagine. Right, slightly, uh, slightly different. <laughs> Let's news. talk about liberation now. Yes. Let's <laughs> <laughs> oh, all yeah, drink. But uh, we, we planned this well. It, huh? It's the news that. On the 11th of April 1945, so 75 years ago, the Americans freed more than 7,700 forced labourers at the Volkswagen plant. So there was liberation of the uh, of the Volkswagen plant in Wolfsburg, mm-hmm. which it's just bizarre. A lot of the time, World War II feels so recent. 
particularly when you hear some narratives. Yeah. It, it does feel very recent, but then it's so long ago as well. You know, we're a couple of generations Three quarters away of a century. It. We're a couple yeah. of generations yeah. away from it, you and I. Me closer, because I'm very old and broken. But, uh, it's true. <laughs> and, then, and then they started to build the um, Kubel wagon, mm-hmm. and then it, it progressed from there. And, and now they're, you know, one of the top three manufacturers in the world. <laughs> Yeah, and it was one of the British, well, it became part of the British occupation zone, and then one of the British army members then started running the factory, and, and, and that's where Volkswagen, you know, as we know it today, really, really started from. Yep. So there's just a little bit of history for everyone there. Come on then, tell me, and um, by the way, everyone, charge your glasses as Alan is about to do a Toyota news item. It's not strictly Toyota, but not not from Toyota's perspective anyway. <laughs> No, well, no, it's not not Toyota as as a company. I'm, I'm sure they're just as they're significantly unchuffed with this. <laughs> didn't come from their PR department, that is for sure. <laughs> it definitely didn't. No, well, it came from Max. Yeah, yeah. from uh, Max Finkel at Jalopnik wrote a piece uh, which was published on Sunday morning, and it's talking about a piece of investigation done by a company called Global Witness about how some of the Sudanese milita- militants actually get hold of the vehicles they use. Now, of course, the vehicles most famously used by African militants are Toyota Land Cruisers and Toyota Hilux. Uh, and what Global Witness did was through good old-fashioned detective work, I think, and looking at lots and lots of pictures, they were able to work out what markets these vehicles had come from and then also be able to trace back, thanks to some of the more distinctive features on some of them, actually what shipments were written and what the path was that they worked through. First of all, the the RSF, the Rapid Support Forces, who are a government-aligned militia group in Sudan, then they actually ended up with also a spreadsheet of vehicles that they had acquired. I think it's kind of weird that Sudanese militants keep spreadsheets of vehicles so you just wouldn't expect it but logistics is needed no matter how ragtag you look i guess and there were some of the distinctive stuff was like 2019 model year vehicles with decals from the 2018 model year uh, and things like that which made them kind of unusual there were a limited number of those around and it meant that they could track it right the way back to to dealers and then track track vin numbers through really interesting it should make it much easier as a result of this to be able to shut down supplies of these kind of things across much of Africa and into many of these sort of small regional wars. Mm. Uh, and just, just hopefully it's something which will help, which will help bring a certain amount of, just make it harder. Yeah. Basically for people to, to start and, and continue to hold wars. Hopefully. Hopefully. Interesting thing. I'm sure I've come across Global Witness before, but I can't remember where I've seen the name. Um, But yeah, it's a really interesting piece on Jalopnik. Do please follow the uh, link in the show notes uh, to that because it's it's just, there's a certain amount of good old-fashioned sleuthing in there. Yeah, And just to be clear, it is quoted in the article to say that Global Witness did make clear that it reached out to Toyota and that it does not accuse the company of any wrongdoing in this case. We just want to make that we were oh, joking yeah. at the beginning. Yeah, sorry. We were being a bit tongue-in-cheek at the beginning about Toyotas and the cliches of news reports, but it, it, Toyota is not accused of any involvement in this themselves. So mm-hmm. just just to reiterate that before Toyota lawyers 
phone us up tomorrow, tomorrow or something, or or even worse, the PR. Could just be Toyota PR, <laughs> yeah. which is far scarier than Toyota <laughs> lawyers. I think. Quite. <laughs> right on that on that happy news. I think we're about half time. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I do hope so. Uh, Folks, patrons, just a quick note uh, to say that uh, I have made sure that the May payment uh, will not come out. I'm sure I said that last week as well. Uh, I just want to to reiterate that. I've made sure that that won't happen. So that's good. Uh, What we suggest, of course, is uh, if you do happen to have the the need to give some money uh, burning a hole in your pocket that you give the money that you would have given to us and indeed other people who don't normally aren't normally members of our patron if they also fancy uh, and have money uh, in their pocket that they they feel should go to to a good place uh, then to give it to your uh, relevant charity of choice uh, if you don't happen to have one then we would recommend the mission motorsport covid19 response fund uh, mission motorsport is trying to put in place the framework they need to support their beneficiaries remotely and to enable the community and camaraderie that they foster so well in person to take place online there is a link in our show notes that you can use to donate and to find out more yep please do help if you can right wrc and yes, there, are, there is some WRC news, even in these times. And it's this actually surprised me, because I, I didn't realise this wasn't a thing already. But it, uh, the FIA has suspended all WRC manufacturing teams from testing until May the 31st this year. I think that's a little bit stable door after the horse has, has bolted. Yes. I, uh, I th- going on I, there. I, I don't think anybody was testing. No, but... I don't think they could because of local uh, restrictions on hmm. gatherings and all the rest of it and essential work. So, But they've they've made it official now, is, is essentially the yes. news. It is officially not allowed. No one is allowed to test. So there we go. <laughs> then we can sleep soundly in our beds. <laughs> right, last week, Alan, we talked about how expensive a rig could be. Well, yes, uh, Rob Holland on the drive had put together his own sim rig and it had come to something ridiculous, like $8,000 or so. Goodwood Road and Racing have put together a different article which talks about how affordable a sim rig could be and goes right the way from beginner, uh, so starting off with a G29 or a G290 wheel and pedal set from Logitech for about 200 quid and just recommending bolt it to a table and sit on a chair mm-hmm. as a good starting point. Yep. Uh, and then it moves into intermediate as well and then advanced, where as it points out, it all starts to get a bit crazy. And yes. I know I got another... Another email from uh, Demon Tweaks. <laughs> yes. Uh, tonight. Uh, and and to be honest, the ones on this round of Demon Tweaks email, I forwarded the last one to Andrew because it was it was well into four figures for many of the, the setups. Eh? You could just buy one off the shelf. Yes. Uh, they still weren't as expensive as Rob Holland's, no. but then you still needed to buy the computer and all the other stuff. And yeah, it's it's the, there's some big money to be had if you want to just buy yourself a rig. But I noticed that some people are building their own anyway. Yep. So there's a lot of people building via building their own. Um, there's lots of there's lots of tutorials out there. There's lots of uh, plans and images as well. Um, various mm-hmm. uh, ways of doing it and and trying to keep it as cheap as possible. Did you see Nier has been using Nier his Nier skills his skills to work out the the most universally adaptable or universally acceptable uh, sim racing position uh, and setup. 
possible. They'll have shock-absorbing suspended seats knowing you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's uh, going to be my, how he's going to get the funny angled windows around. Is that going to be the screens? Like, is he going to put? Well, is I, he going to put like uh, sort of uh, some masking? cardboard over his monitors so yeah. he can't see properly out so he can't of see so much <laughs> I, I like the fact he's trying to go from nine-year-old child to 95th percentile yeah which even he pointed out was 95th percentile was maybe a, a, a little bit keen given his build but yeah it's well suited for motorsport <laughs> Yes. Sorry, mate. So go and have a look Sorry. at uh, go and have a look at that article if you are remotely interested in exploring online racing or even just just racing on a console on yourself, uh, and you want to maybe take it away from using the control pads. But have a, have a look at what you can do. Did you see, by the way, and it's not linked in here. Did you see the on Saturday the race coverage with Jacques Villeneuve? And Jack Villeneuve came in six, and he was using a laptop and a control pad. Yep. Lots of the, all the others have have their their fancy sim rigs, and he had a webcam set up at an angle, so you could see him on the control pad at a decent sized la- a decent sized laptop, and he still came in six. Yes, that made me both happy and very sad about how slow <laughs> I am on a pad, but happy yes, to but- see that even a pro uses a pad. <laughs> Yeah, well, he used to. He played an older version, which he carted around, and that's why why he's got the laptop and the uh, and the pad. Uh, but he was just sitting at the kitchen table doing that. Oh, and just to be just to be clear as well, lots of people who are at the pointy end of sim racing who do this all the time use those beginner Logitech steering wheels and pedals. Oh, they reckon to be really good. Where, whereas, even I know, obviously that. the 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 better the equipment, obviously that that does help a bit. It is not a defining factor. Putting the effort in no. and having talent, they appear, unfortunately, to be quite a defining factor. <laughs> Curse them! <laughs> Curse them all! <laughs> it's quite hard to buy all the good gear and and, and jump. Yeah. Jump the skills ladder, yes. Right, lunchtime read. And it actually comes from a friend of the show, Mr. Chris Pollitt, writing for Car and Classic. And it is the wonderful work of Terry Davey. Now, you may not know who he is, but if you've opened a Haynes manual and seen a cutaway drawing... That is the person who has done it for us. Well, certainly the older ones, yes. anyway. Well, sorry, this is between 1972 and 1991. But they are glorious. And a lot of people were asking questions this week on Twitter. I can't remember who started it off, but somebody said, what, well, I think it was Alex Goy. So what, what, he, he did with which manufacturers started your love of cars. But one of my it was Alec. one of my first attractions to cars was actually looking through a Haynes manual and seeing the cutaway drawings because they're just utterly beguiling and wonderfully detailed beautifully drawn it is a skill that is not done by hand so much these days no it's much easier to do. it's much easier to just do it on a cad package and render it oh yeah absolutely yeah um, but they are they are glorious they are they are really lovely Lovely details. I mean, that Merck SL that's in the article is particularly nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a pagoda, um, and it shows all the complexity that you would expect of a Mercedes SL, even from, from the 1960s. Yeah, so please do go read about this, because it's, it, it's an excellent article by Chris. Um, to be fair, that, that chap can write. And, and it's actually educated me and gave me some, uh, some extra information I was not aware of. It's good stuff. 
Especially after us just talking about measured perspective earlier in the week as well. <laughs> Come on, let's, it seems to be a weekly event now that we're going to give people some uh, suggestions on things to watch now. <laughs> well, yes, it does. This is part of... So Autocart have taken a, a part of an article that they put out in the, the Dead Tree edition the other week. Well, it's split out. You see, there's films, TV, websites, computer games, and books that, that they listed in there uh, with the four sections. And actually, they're, they're split into four articles or all co-linked on the Autocar website. But this week's good list is the films and TV section. Loads of, some I'd never heard of, actually. And then some which take up a lot of time. Can I pick one or two to just say City and Rendezvous is there? Mm-hmm. I would also recommend Alex Roy... I feel I should say that really clearly to separate him from Alex Goy. Alex Roy on The Drive on the YouTube channel years ago, where he goes and he does, uh, I think it's a, it's a 20-odd, maybe half an hour's worth of documentary on... And it breaks down the whole of City and Rendezvous, and he, he, follows the, the, he follows the route as closely as he possibly can. And he talks about it and how it was actually done and how it was recorded and all these kind of things on the way through. It doubles or trebles how much you get out of watching City and Rendezvous. Okay. Have you seen City and Rendezvous? Yes, you have, because I've subjected you to it when you've been here. It's the drive across Paris one. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was great. Awesome. The one first thing in the morning. Yes. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so and then the Alex Roy breakdown of that and, and exactly how it, how it was done. So um, so yeah, there's loads of other stuff in there, including Alex Roy and another thing as well, which is really worth watching. It's really worth worth watching, worth spending the money on that. Fantastic stuff. So great list from Autocar. Don't want to bore you with everything that's in it. No, 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 we won't but do that. That's a little bit of an add-on to one of my favourite things. Excellent. So this week's, and finally, Andrew, falls to you. Yes, and it is a a press news from Lotus coming from way back in the day, and I can't find a date on it, but the most important thing that I saw in it, and I think, again, we've mentioned him several times this evening, but I think this was a tweet from Alex Goy is how I picked this up, but it is to explain the plural of Lotus. It is explained with the plural of Lotus will be Lotus. The possessive mm-hmm. of lotus will be lotus, <laughs> with an apostrophe. This, we hope, will eliminate the use of the horrible words loti and lotuses. <laughs> the rule, by the way, the the lotus rule, uh, also works for Lexus as well. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. It's the same. It's one Lexus, many Lexus. Okay, cool. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Um, so do have a little click through that because there's some great other... Uh, <laughs> information because they go on to correct naming of their products from back when <laughs> the lotus cars pr team by the way seem to have gone from sort of nowhere to awesome on twitter yes oh, incredibly did, fast did, did lotus be... pr need to be kept home so they could do some fun work is that what it was <laughs> well no 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 it started before that but but yes but but it's the lotus cars pr at Lotus Cars PR is well worth following yeah. on, on Twitter. They 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 tweet loads of really interesting stuff. They have been working very hard and putting out some good fun stuff. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I'm, I was mocking. As have most of the car PR departments as well. Yeah. Coloring books and all sorts yeah, of stuff. Yeah, there's, there's lots of stuff like that out there that we haven't necessarily shared on here. But there's where we see it, we are tending to retweet it and things like that, so you can get yeah. an idea and you can start following yourselves. But well done 
car Twitter at the moment. You're doing a good job. Mm, car Twitter's awesome. Car Twitter's doing a it good really job. Is. It's <laughs> certainly helping. Let's put it that way. Yeah. From a personal point of view, it's really helping. <laughs> yes. Uh, and it's appreciated to each and every one of you. Yep. Yeah. Parish notes for the week. There was a special edition out on Friday. It was very late on Friday. I'm sorry about that. Where I spoke to a chap called Wolfgang Ziegelmeier from Harman about car audios and setting up car audio, specifically around the Kia Stinger, the foster car that I'm looking after at the moment. <laughs> I think that's the level it's got to now. Your driveway sculpture. <laughs> driveway sculpture. There's two driveway sculptures. So I had that and I, I had commented how good the stereo was. And uh, so I ended up chatting to someone all about that. And it's got lots of lots of interesting stuff in. So do go have a listen. It, it's quite short. It's only 26 minutes or something. Don't think it's even that long. No, it's it's quite short, but it's it's really packed with interesting stuff. Cool. Uh, oh, the one thing I forgot on the intro to it by the way was i forgot to apologize for his audio quality thanks to the unique and special way the internet works he'd had to join by telephone so we have telephone quality audio uh, for his half of it sadly but uh, my apologies for that i think people are understanding in these special times well yes you appreciate that we didn't meet in person uh what else i uh, also remember don't forget there's a back catalog of not just our own of other special editions uh, they have a quick link from the menu bar on the site at motoringpodcast.com. But there's also a review as well. So there's, yep. uh, why not go back and re-listen to a favourite? Well, we've mentioned him a bazillion times tonight. I How was about, about Alex Coy? Is that the same? <laughs> Listen to Alex Coy. Was it uh, number two or number three? Um, number two or three. The other one, whatever, if he isn't two and he isn't three, then it's Johnny Edge is, is the other one. Yeah, Johnny Edge is early on. From way back then. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's very early. Yep, on, yep. So, so uh, either, either or both of those, I, I'd recommend both of those. Yep. They're really very good. Fantastic stuff. Well, uh, don't forget, folks, that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback and share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about uh, Mission Motorsport. Uh, do please follow the link in the in the descript in the show notes. But in the meantime, you can always still leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what is the best way to get in touch with you? The best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. Probably angering cyclists. But Alan, if people would like to know how the painting of your WRC model is going, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Oh, oh you I'm nearly escaped. A quick update on that. <laughs> The painting is done. It's not awesome. Uh, however, only about six of the 100, exactly 100 decals, which will cover up, thankfully, with all the duff bits of painting where it leaked behind the masking tape, uh, are, are on. It's, it's, it's going to be an agonizing few hours. I will share with everyone as soon as it's done. Trust me. I actually took the chassis for a drive around the city room. Anyway, waffling far too much. If you want to follow me and my grumbling about the stickers on the Yaris WRC, Tamiya model, then use Twitter where I'm at AJP Bradley, B A D L E Y. We will be back very soon, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe staying home.